Hey there, what is up? I hope the guitar is treating you well and you it. Of course, you know what I've come to learn is that actually there are several drummers that listen to the show too, and probably some other instrumentalists. But I've heard from a few drummers that actually listen to this guitar show, No Guitar is Safe, and I really dig that, including my friend Steve Stevens, who happens to have the same name as a very famous guitarist. But he is a badass drummer that I've toured with, and uh, he's always plugging the show to his friends and stuff, and I think he actually likes the show. He's not doing it for me. He just seems to dig it. You know, I used to play with him in the JGB band, or it's called JGB, which was kind of short for Jerry Garcia Band because it featured four original members of, of the Jerry Band. Although sometimes I might joke that it stood for the Jude Gold Band, but it was only a joke. Meanwhile, the two backup singers... Jackie and Gloria were pretty sure it stood for Jackie, Gloria, and the Boys. I'd have to go with that. They were kind of the magic that made the band happen. But anyhow, I'm really digressing. There's another killer band that's on a whole different level. One of the hugest bands in the in the world of country music, Rascal Flats. And in the last year or so, they have hired a spectacular young guitar player, 34-year-old Andy Wood. Yeah, you're listening to Andy Wood off his uh, new album. It's a double album called Caught Between the Truth and a Lie. You know, it's half acoustic, half electric. You're obviously here at the electric side, but you're going to love this guy. Man, if you don't know much about Andy, wow, he does a lot of different stuff. With Rascal Flats, he plays mandolin, bazooki, and, of course, electric guitar. Helps him out with all those instruments. He used to play as Scott Stapp's lead guitar player. You know, the famous singer from Creed. I've seen Andy around here and there, saw him at the Amp Show that Lonnie Spector puts on that's open to the public in Van Nuys earlier this year, and he was just shrouping. That's a um, Dave Lawler word. (laughs) Dave is another friend of mine who I know listens to this podcast. Thank you, Dave. And that was a verb that I thought everybody knew, but I realized it's kind of a Dave thing, just shrouping on the guitar. And that's what Andy Wood does. He's a shrouper. So yes, this is Jude Gold, host of No Guitar Is Safe, and we're about to get in the copter and head down to the Sur Factory. Sur Guitars, great guitar company. I own and play one quite regularly. One of their classic tees, all beat up and vintageized. Relic, you would say. Great guitar. The company is S-U-H-R, in case you're not familiar with them. But more and more people are becoming familiar with them because they're really just growing and expanding. And it's pretty spectacular to see how far they've evolved as a manufacturer. As I visit their company, I hadn't been there in a few years. It's just night and day from what it used to be. And they have all these fantastic artists there. And we just hop in there in a room full of amps and guitars. And Andy's there so generous with his time. I really appreciate Andy doing this. Such a tasteful player. Mm-hmm. 
That is one of my most favorite songs of all time, and I really like hearing people cover it. I don't think it's just for memorial services or funerals, you know. That is just a beautiful tune. Great to hear Andy playing that. I really hope you enjoyed last week with Steve Morris, man. He is such a hero of mine and so many other people. Like, my gosh, much respect. I swear I'd take a bullet for Steve Morris. Love that dude. And he was he went so deep, and that meant a lot to me because... He's probably my biggest influence as far as, uh, as, and so many other people, just as far as instrumental guitar. He really showed what was possible compositionally and continues to do so. Also, for the record, later in this episode, you're going to hear me blank on Noki Edwards' name. Noki Edwards, of course, one of the great founders of The Ventures, one of the greatest guitar bands of all time, one of my favorite bands. They put hit guitar instrumentals on the radio. Any band that had hit songs featuring just a guitar on the radio is your hero and mine so noki yeah just had to get that out ahead of time because i had a little bit of a blank spot (laughs) during our interview and i was trying to remember his name when he was playing with brent mason you'll hear it i just got to give props where props are due thank you for that I like that you listen to the SoundCloud, but also be sure to subscribe on your podcast app. For instance, if you have an iPhone, that thing comes with a podcast app on it. Go in there, find No Guitar Is Safe, and subscribe. If you're looking for the latest episode, hit the feed button. I know a lot of you know this, know this but uh, I appreciate it. We have a Facebook page. I'll be putting up some of this cool stuff with Andy on the No Guitar Is Safe Facebook page, and ultimately I'll get the website together. But right now I'm focused on just bringing you killer interviews so again thank you andy wood congratulations to john sir on all the success he's had with the sir guitar company and the rest of the gang over there thanks for hosting us on busy nam week right before they are doing their big annual sir concert that which they do every year for the nam show um let's fire up the copter we're gonna head down to lake elsinore california where we plug in with andy wood Thank you. 
could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I pulled my guitar out of tune because I just pulled out of the card. Pulled oh, out the guitar. Get, it's all. You get the I travel mean, string going on. Travel string, yeah. I just pulled the sucker out, but we're both holding Sirs here and we're at Sir headquarters. And you are playing so quiet. Yeah. You, see you play you play really quiet when you're in home practice? Yeah, yeah. So um growing up a mandolin player and an acoustic player, I'm used to that that connection between my ear and a, and, and this sound. Just the the vibrating string, like the honest what is my what is the true tone, not not what's being amplified, what's being magnified. So when I practice, I'm very much even if I'm practicing some kind of yeah. tapping thing, I still want to hear I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's some sort of like subconscious uh, uh, roadmap to cleanliness. Right. You know? It's like you, you really hear the strings and what's happening. So yeah. when I when I play I don't I don't let it eat. Like I feel like that's for playing and not for practicing. Or right. or, or, or you know, when I'm at a speaking volume I, I like to play a long time and, and I just don't want to burn my ears up, you know, for yeah, when it's, it's just me. <laughs> you get to hear the wood of the guitar when you're actually hearing the actual tinkle of the string on the frets, you're hearing the wood of the guitar. For sure, cool. I mean. I know. Yeah, It kind of creates a stereo sound, too. If you hear this from underneath you and mm-hmm. then you hear the amp six feet away, mm-hmm. it's actually, when the amp is quiet enough, it's kind of a cool way to practice. It sounds fuller. Yeah, and, and you could you, definitely you're not hiding behind uh, uh, levels of gain and, and and compression and things like that that aid us in our abilities. <laughs> but uh, you know, when it's time to practice, I like to go at it. And that being forward. said, when we were just plugging in here, you had this amp sustaining at like whisper volume. It's kind of a, a pretty strong feat for a tube amp. What amp is this you're playing? This is uh, the new Pete Thorne PT100. The great thing about being about around here at the Serve Factory is you're just, it's in a candy land of yeah. tons of amps. I just usually grab something that's laying around and plug into the closest amp to me, you know, and it ends up being plenty good enough. <laughs> yeah, we are surrounded in here. God, this is like the dealer showcase room or something. Guitars all over the wall, and I can't even count all the amps. I, just, <laughs> I plugged into a random badger head over here. Again, low volume. But it's so great to hear guitar, and and like you said, even from over here, yeah. I can hear your strings, and it's cool to have that, that thing happen. It's a cool little amp yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah, they make them in like I think eighteen watts and thirty watts. I think you get two options. Yeah, well, I'll take both, please. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's mind-boggling for me to be here because the last time I was at Sur must have been three or four years ago, and they were in the other building. Was it across the street? The I, one over there? I can't remember, but. This new factory is like you you walk through the door and there's a thousand pedals greeting you and walls of guitars. It's really great to see them succeeding and they have such you know, such a high demand and they have these great artists like Pete Thorne, Scott Henderson, and now yourself. When did you start playing, Sirs? Gosh, it was the year that the modern came out. It was the year that that came out and I can't remember what that was and I actually I, I was stumbled upon the idea that I wanted, you know, a high end but twenty four fret kind of ride and that's when i got got in with the with the guys here and i've been with them ever since and you know we've we've done a lot of interesting things together like like this guy right here I'm, for those that can't see us which is everybody um there's a there's a new model that i, I kind of was one of my brain childs doing a, a traditional telly style guitar this yeah. is the the classic t but it's got 24 frets and it's got the sculpted heel joint my biggest uh, reasoning 
for like begging and begging to get this to be something was not about the 24th fret. It's not about the two octaves. It's to- totally not about the two octaves so much as it is the real estate that when you're playing like out of, uh, you know, G-, G position at the 15th fret with your first finger there, uh, the heel joint on this, like this, uh, another T-style guitar or will we'll get at you. Like right. it's, it's in your back of your hand. Whereas on this, you're there and it's not there. So it's not yeah. about this note so much as it is just the real estate in this this range of comfort, you know. And then it's cool yeah. that they, you know, was sculpted the back horn down. So from the front, it looks like a working man's, yeah. you know, T. And then yeah. from the back, it's yeah. it's it's all sculpted sculpted back. Yeah, those comfort cuts are underrated. You know, it's like traditional tellies or like traditional T style guitars might not have them but once you get used to them it's really makes yeah life. it's really um you know it's 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 weird the one that i play that uh is, is not here it's over at the venue we're doing tonight doing the show tonight uh the one that i play is i, I grew up being a, a telly yeah and and i'm a guy who doesn't want any arm contours or body contours right like i, I like that feel um and for, it was really important to me from the front of the guitar it looked like the moat like it didn't have any cuts yeah but in the back it's got the you know it's got it in the back but you do have the one cut under the strumming arm on the top are you going to leave that one on there uh, that's not there this is not this mine is, I know it's a prototype yeah this, this is actually one of the I think they're going to do these as a pro yeah. series but now no, I'm not sure I, I kind of don't know the ins and outs of what's marketing and what's not around here so you're going to do a hard angled one yeah mine's like this right it, it actually look yeah. how wussy mine is it's got this it's, comfort you got the comfort the, all got, over it. I, I call this the gut cut. <laughs> Fits your gut on the back of the guitar. You got love this it. This one goes underneath the arm. That guitar's seen some mileage. That's cool. You know it hasn't. It they uh, completely uh, relicked it for me. Oh, sick! It's yeah. one of the relic ones. Yeah, check yeah, out yeah. the back of that neck, man. I love. I mean, I didn't mean to make you put down your guitar oh, there, no, but it's actually none of these are mine, which is awesome. <laughs> Get to play them all. Yeah, here. Uh, yeah. Now this one hasn't been set up in a while or anything. And Sounds like a grown man's guitar. I like that. <laughs> sound like that when i play it sweet working on your head. it's an honor to have you play it and I, you know I, it's, it's funny how uh these unfinished necks are they feel expensive the ones that feel old and worn out like it's the you, thing right because yeah. you know the price of having a guitar relic is an extra cost so yeah ironically it feels expensive even though it's all it's funny you mention that like i like unfinished necks and I always have because uh i have <laughs> like many guitar players out there I have really disgustingly sweaty hands and I can chew through a set of strings and when things are glossy like I, I, I gum and stick and I can't can't move on the back of the neck so the one common denominator with all of my guitars is they either have their, the, a, a satin type finish or just no finish at all when I did when I won the, the, the did the guitar center thing back in gosh I guess it was 2003 I was yeah, I was a kid when I did that thing. But anyways, uh, er- Ernie Ball was one of the endorsers, and and they gave me they let me spec out a guitar, and I didn't do any finish on it at all. And now the neck's like completely green, just, <laughs> wow. just from where it's, it's like border the fretboard's like almost black, and it's a maple neck. It's real. It's just, but it's you know, 
I'm toxic, man. Yeah, I got that thing, man. It sucks, but you know. I'll tell you the, what I know most about you is that we somehow became friends on Facebook, and yeah. this is years ago, a few years ago, and yeah. And I know they don't speak like this in you know Nashville, but I saw your video and I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and we've been kind of Facebook pals. We finally, I guess, just maybe met at the Amp Show. I know you play for, for Rascal Flats, and I, but mm-hmm. I'm really curious just to ask you questions as just like the innocent listener who might not even know you. Like, for example, where did you grow up and what first put an instrument origins. in your hands? We need the origin <laughs> stories. Yeah, we need to know how you arrived from the beginning to this monstrosity. <laughs> okay. um, so that's, that's uh, to try to not to get, get it too convoluted. Uh, I, my granddad, I grew up in North Carolina till I was about 15. My granddad got my cousin and myself started in music when we were about five. I actually didn't play electric guitar till I was about 17. I started, yeah. I'm a mandolin player first and foremost. That's what I tell everybody. I'm like, man, I don't know, this is guitar gigs, not even my thing. I'm actually, you know, mandolin first. And uh, my whole life, man, I I really worshipped guys like Bela Fleck and Jerry Douglas. And even though that's yes. a banjo and a dobro player, for those that don't know, it's like the new grass thing. I, I, I worked on uh, Bela Fleck style things, you know, uh, that's cool. You turn those kind of rolls, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, some of the stuff I'd work up as a kid would be like uh, banjo tunes. Like, uh, there's an old Dixie Breakdown that's got a lot of cool. It's it's actually meant for three finger Scrug style playing, but I worked it up on guitar cross picking it. There's your intervals. But it's played yeah. it up. It's got that whole. That's great. That's the kind of thing I was really into as a kid, is trying to get uh, flat picking things to sound very banjo esque. When I play a string set, I'll 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 do the string set set ascending. And then I'll, I'll drop back down to the lowest set in the order. So if we're doing three strings, I'm doing the D string, the G string, and the B string, and then repeating that order. But I'm alternate picking everything. So because it's an odd note grouping, you get to the top string, and you're on the inside of the strings, and you got to swing back on the inside strings. Well, now, this time through, it'll invert, and you'll be on the outside of the strings. Those kind of things. Yeah, so my granddad got me started really in, in fiddle tunes, um, you know. Uh, those kind of things uh, as, as a kid. And and you were playing that all on mandolin for Mandolin, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually hadn't played that Blackberry Blossom on guitar probably forever. Um yeah, but th- so so as I got older, um, I, I moved to Tennessee. They have a lot of theaters in Pigeon Forge, right? It's kind of like I've a Branson or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was working in one of those playing mandolin and acoustic, and for whatever reason, one night electric guitar player couldn't make it last minute. They're like, oh, my God, we're going to do it. And I was like, well, I got an old telly under the bed. It can't be that different. You know, I'll just plug into whatever. <laughs> so I kind of limped through the show and then kind of got into it. But there's specifically what made me fall in love with electric guitar was uh, Mark O'Connor's new Nashville Cats record. Uh-huh. Um, that had a song called Pick It Apart, which was uh, and the, the and it was Brent Mason solo, and to this day I still I still 
have most of that solo memorized that that I bought the record because Mark is a fiddle player and I wanted to get into like the Sam playing Sam Bush and Bela Fleck playing on the album and then that that song hit me out of nowhere with Brent Mason and I was like that's what I want to do you know and and that's what yeah. made me pick up a guitar and start playing and then you know I'd never heard all the things that I should have heard so there was a friend of mine in Pigeon Forge named Jimmy Green and he uh, uh, <laughs> he made me a mix it's a mix CD that had everything that I'd never heard that I should have like Steve Morse's Too Many Notes Eric Johnson's Cliffs of Dover you know For the Love of God Eruption had everything that, that, that every guitar player grows up on except wow. I came at it backwards you know so uh, that that's kind of where, where it went so from there I guess you know I, I did the Guitar Center thing they have the big guitar Guitarmageddon mm-hmm. I was like 21 or 22 my buddies entered me as a joke and I ended up winning the whole thing so that where was where did you enter which in Tennessee yeah in Tennessee we actually just went out one night to uh, you know have have a couple of drinks and just you know bro it up and I stopped in to like pick up you know strings or something and my buddies were like hey man there's this contest you should enter you know blah 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 and I was like well that's not really my scene I'm not a contest guy and they said well if you enter the contest we'll cover your tab for the rest of the night so I was like all right yeah and then it ended up spiraling out of control then you sobered up and we're like what happened yeah so it ended up spiraling out of control and and next thing I know they we were doing it in Florida for the regionals next thing i know we're doing it in vegas and for the finals you know it's like 3200 people enter this thing you know so and then uh from there i played in a rock band called down so wait wait, wait tell me about like yeah. the final night it's like goes gets down to like five or six players right yeah yeah and so the regions a- i think they do like it's something like eight players yeah. i want to i want to say and then at the the finals it's from eight eight regions or something like the seven or eight regions uh, yeah you draw straws to see who goes first mm-hmm. man this is how redneck <laughs> i was like i didn't even have a pedal board they had you know some kind of line six amp on stage so i took a telly and a, and a cord everybody else had you know coming in with all these rigs and stuff <laughs> and i didn't i wasn't even into that world yet as far as my mind uh because i'd only been playing electric guitar for like four years you know right and uh I you know I took an old B bender telly and did Sweet. did my thing and who were the judges? Man, yeah. Gary Hoey was a judge and gosh, yeah, it was at the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really cool and and like it the whole contest was the opening for Cheap Trick, so I got to you know open for Cheap Trick, which was awesome. So how did you feel going out? I mean, is it nerve wracking? I mean, I've actually judged many of these contests and I always feel for the guys sitting there backstage about to like. Dude, guitarist competition is a weird thing. It's stupidly weird, and it totally was not anything that I wanted to do. Like I said, this thing started as a joke with my my friends that don't play music. You know, they were just like, ha, 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 you're entering a contest. Yeah. So guitar as a competition is super, super weird. I never looked at it as anything other than, hey, I'm getting a free trip to go to you know Disney World because my region was at, at, in Orlando. Right. So I didn't care if I won or not. I was going to have two or three days to hang out in Orlando. Same thing. So like, got past that round. And then when I went to Vegas, man, the la- honestly, the last thing on my mind was the competition. I just kind of super didn't care. Yeah. And I think that's why I had fun. And I wasn't, you know... Yeah. jittery and worried about it i just was like man i don't care if i win or not because everybody here is great like I mean, it could be it could have gone six other ways or seven other ways yeah. I mean, just as easily you know there was i specifically remember a guy from chicago uh he was an older uh older black guy and he did the george benson thing and sang harmony like sang a third mm-hmm. like most guys that do that sing an octave to what they're playing like 
he sang a third to what he was playing, and it was just like mind numbing. Wow. So yeah, I was like, man, if he wins, who cares? You know, it's like that guy's awesome. Was, that's kind of how I felt about everybody there, you know. So, but yeah. So after that, I started. What did doing, you play though? When you were, do you have any? Can you show us a couple God, samples? I can't remember. It's like they give you like these these twenty oh, yeah. songs backing tracks, right? Choose and you, and you choose one, and then in the in the um in the freestyle, I actually played acoustic and and did an old. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like I want to say that I played either "Say Old Man," "Can You Play the Fiddle," which is a, a really long title for a fiddle tune, or I played "Jerusalem Ridge." Uh, "Jerusalem Ridge" is an old Bill Monroe tune. Uh, uh, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, whatever. So I did one of those old fiddle tunes that I clearly have not practiced in forever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I did for the freestyle. And I can't remember what I played for uh, the, Did you, in fact, get track. to open for Mr. Rick Nielsen in Cheap Trick? Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. So my telly had, uh, I was a big Jimmy Olander fan as a kid. He played for Domin Rio. And uh, he was a big B-Bender guy. And he had a yellow Telecaster that had checkered pit guard. So the telly that I played. Hat was black with a checkered pit guard. So Rick, as I was coming off stage and they just announced the winners, you know, and as I was one, I was like high on life, you know, and, and Rick goes, I just knew that a man with your kind of style and class would win this thing because obviously he plays all the checkerboard stuff and I didn't even make the connection <laughs> to him. It was actually more of a Jimmy Olander reference and the irony of that now being an adult, adult looking back is kind of funny. But yeah. So where did you guys play this cheap trick show? It was it was it was it was literally at the Mandalay Bay. Like we did the oh. contest as the opening act. Instead instead of them having another act, it was the Guitar Center contest, and then it was Cheap Trick. So like when somebody bought their ticket, they kind of you know is that thing. I um, get it. Yeah, and then later after that in life, uh, the story gets long. I don't know how my life story got so well, long. Hold on one second. <laughs> Let's listen yeah. to this little song off your. Uh, I guess it's your newest album. Yeah, Truth and Lie. Yeah, yeah. Let's listen to this little song off your uh, latest album. I guess your second album, right? Or do you have many albums? Yeah, yeah, it's my second album. It took me a minute to think. It, it, yeah. it's, it, it feels like a third album because it's a double record, but it's just technically the second album. Yeah. And I think this is the mandolin version of that tune. You call it Truth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The title track is on the acoustic side as mandolin tune, and on the electric side is like a muso fuso kind of thing. It's called The Truth. obviously playing the mandolin are you playing other parts on there too yeah i played all the instruments except for the banjo and the fiddle and the, and the bass i wanted upright bass i'm not an upright bass guy and my cousin plays fiddle that i was talking about earlier so i had to play on it and then scott vestal played banjo scott vestal's a freak man he's super super great yeah that that tune was actually written on mandolin when i had the idea to make the that tune the title track i was like well i've got to play it on guitar because the brainchild was to have it on both sides right And then I didn't realize that those intervals are super unguitar friendly. So I don't know yeah. how you play it, but it sounds great when you play it live. So what, what key is that in? It's in. It's a. It's a. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. So let's, maybe we should uh, try a little bit if you want. Let's, yeah, let's try. Let's try it out. D, D, oh. 
so that's it, yeah. Yeah, the soloing section is now one. I was having fun, man. Yeah. Now, I was curious, uh, shit, where to begin? Like, what's the most inspiring concert guitar performance you ever saw? Did you ever walk out of a concert that just changed your life as a oh, guitar? Yeah, like, you man, saw somebody and maybe sure, you were younger? Man, for sure. There's there's several of those. Uh, the first one was probably um, the, the, the All-Star Jam my granddad took us to when we were probably 11 or 12 at Merle Fest. It's, it's, it's a festival meant for Doc Watson's son. And... Uh, it was Tony Rice and Mark O'Connor and Bela Fleck and Sam Bush, uh, Jerry Douglas, all playing together. And it, that's, that's the one where I was just like, good Lord, that one's nuts. Um, another great one was uh, right after, I think, I, I don't, I, I don't want to <laughs> say this wrong, but I think Ed had just come out of the sobriety. Mm-hmm. And it was like the very first time that David Lee Roth went back out with them in Cincinnati. They played for like three and a half hours. And it was just one of those things just like Ed was on fire. And that was another really cool one to see. Um, gosh, I mean, there's just, I, mean, I, can, I can just say yeah. a name of a bunch. Well, Brent cool. Mason at Third and Lindsley one night. I got to see him just rip the strings now, off of it. gotten to hang out with some of these guys? Like, you get to hang out with Brent? Where do you live these days? Uh, no, I, I'm the west side of Knoxville, so I'm about two hours out of That's Nashville. That's right. You're Knoxville. I remember yeah. I've been in Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of near Pigeon Forge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Dollywood, baby. Yeah, and, and lots of D-wood. Bungee rides and stuff yeah lots of things that 
could easily kill you. <laughs> so have you gotten to meet Brent Mason? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I shook his hand in passing. Yeah. You know, it's never I've not been a big like hang or anything. But, right. right. Uh, yeah, he's he's probably you know one of my all time favorites. Um, you, you he was asking, so great. I saw him. They featured him on a bill playing at Nam with the guy from the Ventures. Oh, what's his name? I'll float it in in the intro because I'm having a senior moment here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, he was so cool, man. He just played rhythm the whole time, man. He just yeah, gave Brent's, such respect. He, you know, just, Brent's the best, dude. He just played like open chords. I was it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, he's he's got that sensibility, man. Considering that he's Bruce Lee underneath all that. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. And he's just super low-key about it. He's like, ah, man, I don't know. That's kind of like his thing. In his instructional video, he's even like, I mean, it's kind of an F, man. I don't know. It's kind of popping, flipping the strings. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe for you. Yeah, he's played on so many millions of things. You know, I actually got to play with Kristen Chenoweth. She did a Nashville album, album, and uh, yeah, he uh, he played the solo on the song that we were doing. I was like, damn. Yeah. I had to like write a solo for three days, and it, it sounded like maybe I play country. Yeah. But he just whips that shit out, just like you. You know, just throw that, <laughs> throw it down. That's yeah, that's just the language that I learned to speak first, I guess, in the musical world. Um, it was the whole chicken picket thing. Yeah, that's all the yeah. stuff I really, really loved for many, many years. Still love it. You know. Could you kind of maybe talk about how your chicken picking evolved? Like, like maybe what are some simple moves that it started with and then yeah. So the whole thing with um, the chicken picking thing. Uh, it, it, the ghost ghosting notes um, come from the palm muting that you're getting, like a, right. So that's like phase one, getting used to like kind of. So phase two is getting used to the hybrid playing of using your middle and your ring finger to literally pop the strings. So blues guys are familiar with, right? Right. That's that's the lick. So like a country guy would go. So I'm, I'm adding double stops using these two fingers. If you hear that, that, that flat seven note keeps ringing out. We're in A, right. that G note just keeps ringing. And this kind of loses its importance harmonically and it becomes more of a, a percussive texture. Right. Not that I'm, I am playing notes, but I'm not playing. I'm playing. Right. Yeah. That's like phase phase one and two of chicken picking, I guess, is building those pedal tones. And you and, and, and in the harmonic structure, it's you know that blues thing. It's like flat third, minor third happening everywhere. Put in like little western swing lines. I love it. Those kind of things, you know. So I like to make, mix up. That's that big Brent Mason influence. Is getting a little, just a little swing happening in there inside the uh, the really aggressive blues. Yeah, 
was kind of amazing. Right, and I walk in here, you're playing like ornithology and stuff, and like bebop tunes. No, and- man, I'm no bebop player. I dabble. <laughs> I dabble in bop, but I'm not a proper bopper. Right. Yeah, that's just... That's a, that's a good term, though. Yeah, I, 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 I dabble in it. I would never go in at a, you know, at a jazz gig and try to cut heads man but i i really like those little ear twister licks you know i'm a big big uh diminished guy when i'm when i'm trying to add sauce to solos especially my chicken picking like to keep it in context and keep it a point like i'll uh i'll sit that uh sit like if i'm playing an a i'll use both a flat diminished and a natural diminished to get me some real estate so that sounds like i'm an idiot I probably am, but if you do the A flat diminish, you still get your third. So wait, right? start again. So play us an A seven, maybe. There you go. So you get your you made your seven sound. You get a uh, nine, four. Uh. Yeah, that sounds right, cool. Right. So here, here's here's that's out of A. And now also right. out of A, let's use A natural uh, A diminish. So we're gonna use this sound now. So I'll use it because so, I get minor third, uh, flat five, which is a cool outside sound. Um, uh, I get a, a, a what is that? F sharp, sorry, and then uh, A, and then, and that leads right into the major third sound. So yeah. if you're thinking in in country music like that, it's all about that minor third to major third. Within one diminished arpeggio, you get minor third. To major thing, yeah. it, it's really so. I use both of these diminished things a lot in 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 country playing. There they are, right back to back. It's awesome. <laughs> so, Maybe you'll hear a little bit if I play a little groove underneath. Uh, what, sure. What kind of tempo are you on? Oh man. That's what I was trying to do. So, like, another thing I'll do to keep that groove going is I'll, uh, I really like to take chromatic lines and mix them. I'm trying to imply all of this at the same time. So, it'd be two. You know, just really trying to. Those kind of things make for Love nice it. little ear twisters. Obviously, I, I wouldn't stay in it that long, right. but for for sake of an example, that's a great way to. I love it. Cool little outside things, and I really like like a minor nine against it. Like one of my tunes, "Everybody Loves You," starts off with a one. Instead, that's the lick that starts it. Oh. Yeah, so nice. that's a cool little bebop thing that starts off one of my tunes. Well, let's listen yeah. to yeah. a piece of that if we can. These records are on iTunes. Cool. That's where I snagged it. Let's listen to that. Cool. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves you.
So yeah. So the yeah, as I guess it's just natural conversation. The evolution of where I ended up. I ended up doing uh, from the twenties when I was doing like rock bands. I was you know I'd do a little hard gun stint here and there. I worked for Scott Stapp for a year. You know, doing his thing when he was doing his Proof of Life. That's right. Tour. That's yeah, when we first became friends. And you yeah, had a, you yeah, had a, yeah. Tell me about your rig on that tour. You had like a a rack. It's actually the same rig I'm using with Rascal Flatts. It's a pretty versatile scenario. It's a uh, Diesel Herbert and a Rhodes Colossus. I guess it's a KSR Colossus now. You had to change the name. Um, I use that and a Fractal Axe-Fex to do all my time-based stuff. And then I have some Sur pedals out and, and then a Access FX1. It's a controller that's not available yeah. anymore. And I, that's that's what I was using with uh, Scott. And then when I went to the flats, I just – where Scott was, I was doing, you know, the max gain channels, doing the big super chunk Tremonti thing. With flats, those amps have great clean channels and great, like, mid-gain channels. And the flats have, has a lot of that, you know, just mid-gain. Uh, <laughs> Right, so it's like I need to really kill that. You need to really kill that uh, uh, that mid game thing, and those amps really sound good for that. Um, yeah, but yeah, and, and so obviously, like after Scott, I started working for Flats last year in January, and that's been a one of the. I mean, like last year was the best year of my life. I had so much fun out on the road with those dudes. They're all mega musicians. I feel like they're so popular that musicians don't get how good they are as, as musicians because when things get oh, super man. popular we as musicians like to think well it's not there's it's a gimmick you know it's like they're not really that good Jay is the piano player and bass player he is a musical just monstrosity I walked in on the first day and he's reharmonizing Chicago songs I mean the dude's just like just fantastic so Joe Don is a super underrated guitar player like I feel like guitar players don't realize that Joe Don can play you know he's a good player and then Gary's a fantastic singer and the guys backing him up is Jim Riley is uh, is a fantastic musician he's a band leader and the drummer he literally wrote the book on the Nashville number system like the Nashville number system is for Hal Leonard like Jim wrote that yeah i have that book yeah <laughs> he's great so uh and then there's uh thomas yankton mingua which is a great name considering he's from arkansas <laughs> <laughs> yeah what the heck? so uh he's multi-instrumentalist he plays little keys he plays some guitar he plays harmonica he's fantastic on all of it and then travis toy who is uh one of my dearest friends and and fantastic musician he's a steel player that's just like leading leading the pack on like what's what can be done what what can be done on a steel guitar so i mean it's being surrounded with that 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 just extremely high level musicianship day in and day out it's it's exposed me to new things some of the little chromatic swing lines that kind of dabbling in kind of things i've lifted from travis you know on steel dude that's crazy i mean that band is you got your a-list bands like top of the top and then you got your a plus plus list (laughs) that's rascal flats like i mean they write like 99 percent of their songs right i mean and and we're talking about a country band that has 12 number one hits and and yeah i want to say that they might be like the highest grossing band country band of all yeah. time, like not a country single artist, but like as, a, as considered as a unit, yeah, it's like it's just, they're just nuts, man. Well, it's sick that they. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing that all those tunes they wrote themselves, pretty much. Yeah, except I mean, for that like, one you were just playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was on the car soundtrack. So the great thing with them is, uh, I can't get you to play it, huh? Oh, so yeah, sorry, I, was, I didn't know that was my cue. <laughs> Yeah. 
I love that little turnaround, you know. Yeah, just, yeah it's just got oh, sass yeah. on it. Yeah, so the thing is, like, people don't realize that that song was, that, like, they were, like, double dipping because they had their album that was out that was the Rascal Flatts album. And that song was actually on the Cars soundtrack, which pretty, if you're a guitar player, it's a pretty killer soundtrack. John Mayer's doing Route 66 and all this stuff. So they actually had, they were double dipping on the charts because they had Life is a Highway charting, yeah. and then they had whatever their album at the time was that was charting at the same time. It was crazy. You know, nobody gets to do that in the industry but yeah i mean like a lot of the stuff that that, that you know that just that people want to hear the you know that's a big one yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah that's that's uh what hurts the most oh, yeah. and then we have uh, uh that was the the go and go till you hear a banjo you know Then that's got Travis playing that big, yeah, you know, big big banjo thing. Now, how did you get the call for them? Like, how did you end up? Like, how did you get hooked up with them? I mean, obviously, the cream rises to the top, and people saying talking about your great playing. I'm sure, but what was the what was the day like? What, tell me about this. Man, it's really weird. I just got a call from uh, from Travis out of the, out of the middle of nowhere, where uh, you know most of the time we had uh, we had met where at, we were doing Guitar Summit. This was about four years ago. Now we had met there. He'd be, he was playing with them, and uh, the guitar sounds this event in North Carolina. It's really killer. Like great, like a lot of gospel players do it. Like oh, yeah, Isaiah yeah. Sharkey and Eric Walls and Ben yes. Lacey came down from Kentucky into this past year. Tom Quells came over and done it. You know, really cool event. Um, I always love doing it. That's that's where Travis and I met, and it was actually we we met the bass player from Bruno Mars. So they just, like we all were playing together at the same time. It was craziness. But so fast forward like. We we stayed in touch because we had, you know like same kind of you know things stupid fart jokes we'd text each other or whatever and uh, internet memes or whatever we thought was funny at the time and he you know we never talked on the phone it was always just texting emails and stuff and then he called me last January and he's like man he's like there's been a lineup change and we're all kind of getting to pick a guy you know and it's like I, you you, you want to audition I was like why well, of course you know I get be great so that's I went in and auditioned and, and yanked and auditioned at the same time I did and we both got our, our respective positions is so, that in Nashville yeah it was uh, we rehearsed we, we did a rehearsal and audition whatever you call it at Soundcheck in Nashville so and what was that know. like when you walked in there dude it was just I mean just it was just so uber uber stressful because it was uh, we came in at like four o'clock in the afternoon and they were just going to go down and leave there with their new lineup and everybody there was super great i remember there's a couple other players were just like crazy crazy good and man it started to get super late it's like 12 o'clock or something we've been there midnight yeah it was like midnight and i was just like man just tell me i don't have the gig so i can go home you know it's like Ah. and then come find out they're like well you guys are in i was like oh i didn't see that coming you know you you can never you can never peg what somebody's looking for yeah, I went to auditions and not got the part, and I went to auditions and got the part. You know, and it's, and it's uh, I'd say to the listeners out there, this is my one bit of advice. If I guess I'm inclined to give any, Please. is uh, never uh, never let it sit on you if if you're not the guy for the gig because you never know what that reason might be. You know, and if if you don't know what the reason is that you got the gig, like I'd, I'd never let it on the flip side of the coin. Don't ever let a gig go to your head. You can always. There's always somebody that can do your job, you know, and be grateful for what you got. And if if something doesn't line up, then maybe there's something else in store, you know. And and just keep trucking if you want, you know, want to be a 
professional guitar player it's uh, quote the acdc man it's a long way to the top <laughs> you know you got to just keep trucking and don't let the missed gigs get you down and don't let the gotten gigs get your head too big where you can't fit in the room <laughs> right that's true now so what has this gig been like i mean you're playing some big stages yeah, what, what was your first show months. like Dude, my first show was jimmy kimmel we, they wanted to do an acoustic spot so my first show was on television you know and i played mandolin which was very fun it was fun to like be part of a stripped down acoustic rascal flats song playing the instrument of my origin my musical origin and uh you know on jimmy kimmel that's, he's cool man i didn't you know we're talking about chris and chenoweth i did that show with him with with her i did that show as well and he's just such a cool hang like at the bar backstage like his arcade thing yeah. downstairs he's got the little arcade thing so i'm a big video gamer right and i got down there and I, my eyes lit up because i saw an original street fighter 2 machine in the pink cabinet you know and that's like one of the games i grew up playing so i go back there and i set Whoa, the high pink, school a pink cab the, street the, fighter pink cab street fighter that was my jam that's how i felt i was like oh there it is i went over and like the buttons where the joystick had been refurbished and everything was like really smooth so i sat back there and i played it for a couple of hours travis was just getting tickled he like videotaped me because i was sitting high score <laughs> so I, 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 this is my official challenge hollywood if you play the Kimmel show try to beat my score what's your your handle uh it's ace it's the i always always do the ace when it's the three three initials right. that's that's me so badass yeah he yeah. jimmy's great too because he really supports music he's got the big concert stage in the back lot and it's the, super cool man and and his yeah. team over there the the guys the unsung heroes the monitor guys and the sound guys over yeah. there are just top top quality pro just there's never any feedbacks or squeals or pops or yeti noises you know everything sounds awesome yeti noises yeah that's always the one where you play an acoustic it's always like a (laughs) chewbacca or something (laughs) so now what about the big stage gigs that you guys play some huge yeah man like we played if if you're a football fan we played the shoe in ohio uh which is big college stadium so it's like a hundred thousand people we played the uh we did the ACM Awards with Christina Aguilera this year, this past year, which was really, really cool. Um, we played the the, the joint at the at Hard Rock in Vegas, and Vince Neal's there one night. He comes out on stage, and we do kick, Kickstart My Heart, which was super rad. You know, I'm a Motley Crue fan, so to get That's to do that with, with him was very, very cool. Who sings the high parts in that band? Jodon does. I mean, to have a guy like that in your band is just Here's what's incredible. great about Jodon is he's got a crazy low voice, too. They did wow. a song called, I think it was Walk the Llama for the Emperor's New Groove, the Disney movie. The, and it's got this, like, barbershop intro, and Jodon is the one singing the bass part. Walk the llama, llama, walk the llama, llama, walk the llama, llama, walk the Like something's really crazy with his voice where he's got like the six, seven octave range voice. It's nuts, man. So yeah, he's super, super great. Now what do you what have you taken away from this gig? You've been doing about a year now, right? Or Yeah. And I mean it's hard to say, maybe in retrospect, maybe in a few years you'll be able to say what you've learned, but Oh, immediately you must right have off grown the top. A lot. Yeah, immediately I can answer the man, there's been a lot of licks lifted from Travis Toy. Like a lot of his his harmonic things, like he's a big whole tone guy, and you know some of the things I'll hear him uh, whip out over like a five chord. Uh, let's say we're going right, right, like a Spain five to one. He'll play like a yeah. So yeah. Uh, he he'll do you know uh, he'll kind of stagger it a little more. He's a big fan of. Like, 
he d- does it more like that on steel. But I, I, yeah. I took it, and uh, one of the things I took it t- took the harmony and put it into like the the Eric Johnson, the way Eric would play, like a. I put that in the whole tones, you know. And so it sounds just really, really trippy. But that's that's a lot of a lot of music nerd stuff I've lifted from Travis. Uh, Jim Riley's professionalism is beyond inspirational. He's a guy that makes you want to work hard. Like I remember, you know, the first couple of days of rehearsal, man, I was kind of getting. I felt like I was getting steamrolled a little bit, and I just realized, like, God, that guy is just. He's just a fantastic band leader. You're getting steamrolled. Yeah, it's my term when I feel like I'm not not pulling my weight or oh. whatever. You know, it's just it's, it was. Those guys have been doing it for so long. You know, I was stepping in with new tones and new rigs, and I'd never, you know, so was, you know, those first couple of days of any gig, you're just trying to get get the right sound, yeah. fit fit the right thing, and do do the right things. You know, and uh, my term is steamrolled when you kind of kind of feel like you just can't keep up. You're like, oh, I'm getting steamrolled. Yeah. But yeah, Jim Riley's professionalism, uh, his sense of timing, like he's just nuts good. If there's any dr- drummers listening, you should dig into his new book. Uh, I'm actually playing on it, which is really cool. He's got some monster musicians on that. He's got no- another telly guy out of Nashville named James Mitchell's really, really nasty chicken picker. And uh, he's 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 got 130-something examples. So it's like he had all his favorite players play different uh, beds of music and then and then you know uh it's the drums are left out so you can drum along with it or whatever and, and that and so just being around him and seeing what he's capable of is very inspiring so those are probably the two biggest things i've taken from the gig and the and and you know what uh i have to say i have to tell this little story this is my favorite story from last year um my granddad who is the most important dude to me musically like he's the one that gave it to me um we were playing i'd never played the opry till the first time last year and going out and gary uh gary said hey i heard you're gonna play the opry with us first time huh and i was like yeah he's like ah man you get used to it you know gary's kind of super country and and uh he said uh, your grandparents coming i said well i'm trying to figure out the logistics come over there he's like man don't worry about it. i'll send my bus so was, gary sent his personal bus to pick up my grandparents wow and bring them to nashville so that's that just sweet. that's that's the guys I work for first of all, <laughs> and then we get Gramsci down there. That's what I call my granddad, Gramsci. I get Gramsci down there, and we're standing on the circle. For those that don't know, uh, the Opry has been in multiple different venues and, and halls, and there's actually a circle of the original stage cut out, and it's put into the stage. So there's the real piece of the real original stage right. in it. Is it still at the Ryman? Uh yeah yeah they they well it's at the Ryman sometimes so it's oh, like okay. they have two different spots where they have oh, okay. one at like Opryland and then they have the Ryman one then sometimes they'll do the Opry at the Ryman or whatever but they have the uh, they have the piece at the at the Opryland one that's where we were doing it at and I take my granddad out on on the deck and the stage and standing in that circle and taking a picture from one of our techs come up to Gramps and he says do you ever think when you were teach, sitting on the porch teaching him how to play you'd be standing where Hank Williams stood and I mean the tears were just streaming down his face it was awesome it was the hey, best uh, best story I could ever tell that's incredible so, man dude. Yeah. doing Gramps proud yeah it was uh, a great it, it very very selfishly happy moment for me you know <laughs> oh, to feel man. like I've given back you know you gotta enjoy those moments man it's, yeah uh, make for it sure all worth it for sure it was uh, an amazing thing 
you guys i'm always fascinated with these huge bands when because things there's always goofy moments or things that go wrong on stage you guys ever <laughs> prank each other on stage or any uh, oh yeah what goes on with you guys uh the biggest prank this year was um was our kiss prank oh yeah yeah so we're, we're every year at halloween the guys pre- this is Previous to my employment, they had always, you know, one of the running jokes was like, what's the band going to dress up as and punk the guys, you know? So Jim Riley, they were, they did have um, five guys in the backing band. Well, when they did the, the employment shift, they, they're down to four. They have Jim and Travis. Basically, it's Jim as a drummer and then everybody else is a utility guy. Like Travis plays banjo and dobro and steel. I play bazooki, mandolin, and guitar. Yankton plays piano, guitar. It's like we're all juggling plates. So it's kind of a neat thing. Well, because we're four, Jim was like, this year we're Kiss. Like he had been waiting on it. Like like that's the band that made him want to play drums. So it was like, this was was so, don't tell nobody. So we worked up a medley and, you know. I can't remember all the tunes that were in it. I, th- I know we started with Detroit Rock City, you know. But so we come out on stage and we're Kiss. And I've got got a photo here while I'm telling the story. I'll bring up the pic. Um, yeah, we can put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So we come out on stage before the three guys do, right? So we're out on stage doing a, like a big hit, like a diamond on a one, and getting the song and the productions like flaring up and doing the tricks. And then the guys walk out and the you know the spotlights will come on them or whatever. Well, we come out on stage and it was Kiss and they were just like everybody in the audience was like what you know. The guys come out and turn around and I did the makeup. I was thought you had to have like a pro professional makeup. Artist. I actually like I actually perfect. was in a eighties tribute hair band when I was younger and and it was a lot of fun. I got really good at like eighties style makeup. There's one with me and Joda. <laughs> So, so, so do you guys have like separate ace. dressing rooms and stuff? And oh they, they, man, yeah, yeah. We have like separate dressing rooms and, and buses and stuff like that. So anyway, so they didn't might not even seen you that day until they they, they out. didn't. We made it a point to keep all the handlers <laughs> uh, that, that take care of them on their their meet and greets and their radio spots and all the stuff they got to do. We just told the handlers, uh, the managers, they're they're all good friends of ours. Obviously, yeah. we go goofing around all day. Like, hey, Jim was like, hey, we're doing this kiss prank. You know, keep the boys the hell away from us. This is going down. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> It's like, all right, so we get a, we get all geared up, come on stage, dude. The boys come out and just turn around, like, yeah, this is the, this is awesome. So they thought that's where the prank ended. That just we were we were going to be kiss. And about five songs in, we there's a ballad that's uh, I'm moving on. That's like this kind of you know really. It's like this kind of thing, you know, just yeah. super soft and sweet. Jay's doing his little spiel about, you know, this next song is the song that put us on the map and, you know, doing this heartfelt speech. And about the time he's getting ready to finish it, we just come in with a wag, 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 a down, you know. And he's just like, what? So we told the production guys, and they had like the video walls got flames and stuff going up. And so, you know, and Jodon just looks back and he just starts, he's like, golf clap. Yeah. He's just like this is the best, you know, and, and dude, so that's they so come cool. You can do that and not get fired. Yeah, and if you are going to get fired, that's a great way to get fired. You're like, <laughs> great way to hey, go I, out. I went out with a bang, you know. <laughs> so, but it was it was killer. That was that's easily the best prank because it just took so much time and and effort oh, to man. get it right. Yeah, well played. Yeah, very very good. And and the other thing that's I guess a prank. It's not really a prank, but one of my favorite road things to do is Travis and I have got these like hopped up coolers. Right. Okay. That are that are motorized. <laughs> so we get out, and that's how we get around the 
the the the arenas and the uh, the venues. That's and funny. So check this out. This is my rig right here. That's my that's my hopped up cooler, dude. It's like a, a it's a scooter, it's right? A cross between a a scooter and, and a, it'll hold a twenty four pack. <laughs> Very, you know, keep it cold for you. So it's it's you know functionality wise, I'm trying to find another dude, one. Dude, that's crazy. One. Yeah, there's another one. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. That guy. That's four by four. What you got there? It's a yeah. It's a <laughs> three wheel. Yeah. It's, it's got a three by three. Got a little um, electric motor, so it's silent, right? So we can ride them inside and outside, you know. And we change the gear ratio so we can go up ramps and stuff. And all. that's <laughs> hilarious, man. I mean, a lot of bands will have like dirt bikes or you can nah, golf cool. carts, man, but you, you guys, yeah, keep your beer cold in that thing, you know. <laughs> Form follows function. <laughs> That's really funny. You're going to have yeah. to send me some of those. And I'll yeah, those are on our sites. Those are my know. best road stories, I guess, from this Good past shit. year. What kind of sur pedals are you using with uh, Rascal Flash? Yeah, the the one that does all the heavy lifting is the, Sh- the Shiba Reloaded. It's um, Tube Screamer-esque without the gnarly mid-hump. Right, so it's you right. get a really pure signal, which is like the added added like grit. It's darker than a lot of pedals, which is yeah. cool when you're um, trying to nail a mid gain tone. I find like mid gain is very elusive. Uh, I like to get the amp a little bright and then put a dark pedal on it, versus like a neutral pedal and then try to EQ the amp the way I want it. It just seems to me it's like I yeah. get more. I I I've found that. You know, obviously in that band, I'm not the alpha male. Like Jodon's the alpha. It's about making fitting around where his tone is. You know, right? And and I'm definitely a support role in that. And I've, I've struggled. You know, the first couple of days I was getting steamrolled. I said it's like just struggling to find my sonic territory when uh, the the mix is very guitar dense already. It's like you don't have any frequencies. And I found that the Sheba gets me. Uh, a nice little niche in the in the frequency spectrum without getting me brittle and, and harsh. So that that's easily you know one of my favorite pedals. Uh, and I'm using the Coco Boost or the, not the Coco, excuse me, uh, the Koji, the the compressor. It's something nice. that there's uh, a lot of versatility in that. You know, it's, they're not the first guys to do it, but it's got a wet dry knob that actually works. When you go all the way wet, it's 100% compressed. I find that a lot of compressor pedals uh, that I've used previously it'd be in bad taste to name names but uh, previous compressor pedals that had the wet dry knob uh, right. they weren't truly wet dry it's like something was weird in the signal I like either a completely compressor pedal like the Carl Martin I love that one or I, when I go for a wet dry I feel like the Koji's the only one that's got it right do you use that primarily on clean sounds or do you also use Man, it on- I kind of just like I kind of leave it on all the time huh. and it's not set really extreme um, it, it, it softens the initial blow of of of, right. of of hitting and uh it allows me to to get some singing vocal qualities without having a like a big saturated kind of thing so yet again it's always it always goes back to you know knowing knowing your role you, you i can't go in there with like the mega arena tone because that's what Jodon's doing you know and i've got to make him sound good you know and make my part of what i'm doing uh, it's very much a sonic textural thing it's not about chops in that gig at all you know it's about yep. you know being able to fit that that sound that that scene you know and get your place in the mix and you know and you use axe effects not for any modeling whatsoever just the time-based effects correct in that in that scenario i do i have uh, an axe effects that's a standalone that I use for sessions or, you know, whatever. I use that when I did the U- University of Tennessee football game uh, gig, which what, is cool. Tell us about that. Okay, yeah, yeah so um, this past year I've done I've done a lot of work with the uh, UT program, uh, music stuff and, you know, making beds or whatever. So they said, man, you 
would you want to play with the pride of the Southland, the marching band? And I was like, oh, my God. I'm a huge football fan, and I'm a huge UT fan. So uh, I see you have an NFL cap on, but uh, is it the Titans? Chicago Bears. Oh, okay. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, yeah. So, the NFC? UT guys. Yeah, the UT guys asked me to um, play with the Pride of the Southland, and I was like, oh, my God, yes, this is going to be awesome. So I worked with uh, Don Ryder, the, the head of the music program over there, and he wanted to do a guitar through the ages kind of thing. So we started. You can get the whole thing on uh, Vimo if you want to find it and oh, yeah. link it or whatever. I'll it's, link that for sure. It's cool. Um, so we start with, like, you know, Chuck Berry, then we do Hendrix, then we do, like, Deep Purple, you know, and walk it through the decades. Well, what's really sick is, like, the, the band was amazing, and when we go into Crazy Train, they form a train in the formation, and the flag girls are the wheels. They're spinning and circles so if you're up in the bleacher and the train like chugs across the field it i mean like i can't wait to see that it was super nuts so and and then on top of that i was playing to 104,000 people and they had made my own ut jersey with my name on the back and uh, yeah it was funny i've become you know kind of kind of not close friends but acquaintances with kurt majit who's one of the star players whatever he's you know fantastic dude um and he was like hey man He's like, why, why you get number 72? Like, never been a Vol that's a 72. And I was like, dude, Fridge is my favorite player of all time. So I'm the Sweet. mini Fridge. Yeah, so they, mini made, fridge. they made my own jersey for me and, and did that. Uh, to go back and make a point, sorry for the sidetrack of the story, but to go back and make a point, um, I used the Fractal for that and just went straight into the Neelands PA, you know, that way. I, and I went completely dry, you know, no no verb or delay. You don't need it when you're playing a stadium. scenario like that. Yeah, and using the stadium as your amplifier, you know. Best reverb chamber there is, right? Yeah, yeah it was That's awesome, UT dude. Stadium, a yeah, volunteer was, stadium. That, man, they take – football seriously in knoxville oh my god it's yeah. the thing yeah football in orange is the thing so yeah, yeah. i had the guys at sir concoct an orange classic so it, it, you know it's it's it, it's not ut orange because that orange is very abrasive it's actually the general lee orange the dodge orange right which is really close to chicago bears orange so i felt like i was uh-huh. covering some ground you know nice getting job, all man. my oranges all together so yeah the, the fractal is a great piece of gear and uh, i love those guys cliff and those guys are just fantastic and matt's fantastic over there yeah it was great to walk in uh, their room at the amp show in Van Nuys and you're playing and just throwing down it's uh sounding killer put a little video of that on somewhere people loved it hey, real quickly what kind of uh, strings and picks and such are you up to these days okay um, these guitars are actually heavier grade strings than what I use I don't know what uh, maybe tens I, I when I play fender scale length I use nine and a halfs uh-huh. because I like the the feel of tens on a Gibson scale length right so You're one uh, of those guys, the I'm nine that and a half guy. guys. I'm a nine and a half guy. It's weird, right? Like I feel like when I play nines, uh, my picking hand is it's I get kind of like I outrun the string. Like yeah. I'd love to have twelves in my picking hand and like you know nines in my in my left hand with the tone of nines. I'm actually the guy who likes the tone of lighter strings. I know, man. I, I love that sound. Um, I love that with gain. I feel like it's it's just uh, it creates something different in the way the low strings have more bite. Yeah, there's a little more sparkle. Just it's just sassier. There's something about that. Uh, the problem is, is like I can't play nines because they're too thin. I feel like I'm driving on ice or something, you know. Yep. So uh, I, I'm a nine point five guy for Fender scale length, uh, tens for Gibson scale length, and tens for PRS scale length, which is the weird in between thing. I'm a tens guy for that. Um, the uh, picks I'm using. 
Yes, yes, I've been looking at the that. The Blue Chip, that's a company that's north of Knoxville. And the guy, uh, it's a brick. He gets the material, and it's actually designed for bushings for satellites or whatever. Wow. So I've been playing that pick for like six months, and uh, it has no scarring or wear. And I'm an alternate, heavy alternate picker. So yeah, it's like uh, the size of a you know Dunlop jazz pick, but it's got it's a little bit bigger. It's just a touch bigger. Um, those picks are crazy expensive. They're like I want to say they're like thirty bucks. Yeah, here's what I use for flats, which yeah, is the thanks uh, for the pick by the way. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> here's the the flats pick. Uh, it's got my name on one side and their logo on the other side, and it is a uh, one of the Planet Waves black ice. And you flip it over, and it's got a sig on the other side. So. These these blue chips are far too expensive to be flinging around into audiences. I think Matt at Blue Chip would kill me if I just start throwing them away. The, the Black Isis is close to getting there with something that I can put a logo on and, and toss. But when it's time right. to be serious, I use the blue chip when okay. I've when I've got to earn my keep. It's the pick I like. And I'm a, I'm using as far as strings, I'm using the NYXLs. Those are my favorite right now. So yeah, I, I'm using the NYXLs. I love those. Um, I. I uh, I did a, my own personal Pepsi challenge uh, with strings a couple of years ago, and uh, it was one of those things where I just bought like everybody's pack. You know, was, I was starting to get some momentum in my career, and I was like, "Well, I want to know what I want to play before." Pe- you know, instead of, instead of getting the endorsement, a lot of people get the cart in front of the horse. I'd rather know what I want to play and go from there. So I did a shootout. Did areas one. I mean, just like they felt the tension felt better. Like I really love the the longevity of elixirs, but the, it's an increased tension. Like, uh, and I, I came to Sir one day. This was at the old factory, and I looked at John. And I was like, John, man, these elixirs are heavier. He's like, Nah, man, tens. And he's like, Maybe you're right. Yeah, we got in there and just kind of started. So we go back there and they had a fish scale, and it, I, it actually elixirs are a heavier tension, which is interesting. pretty interesting. Same yeah, gauge, so, but heavier tension. So if you have if you if you're a tens guy on like a Diodario. You should play close. The nines coded are closer in tension to a 10 uncoded. Interesting. It was, it was very interesting. I'm usually not a guy that gets down the tech engineering rabbit hole, but yeah, it was that was a very interesting learning curve. Uh, for acoustics, I use the Diodarius as well. Um, mandolins, I use as heavy gauge as I can get it. I've been experimenting with different gauges on mandolin and different string heights and things. So I'm trying to kind of reset that up, but traditionally I've always used like the Ricky Skaggs set of the you know, areas and then on acoustic depending on what i'm doing in general i play 12s on acoustic uh, if i've got a bluegrass gig i'll play 13s is it weird to jump over to mandolin where the thing is tuned in fifths and then go back to fourths on guitar or um at this point you've been doing it so long it's, i've been when i play mandolin in, in my show that i do when i'm touring my solo stuff the truth lie tour um I come out of mandolin and play electric and the first couple of nights i put tokyo which is uh pretty uh technique heavy i can't i don't have enough frets to do the lick mm-hmm. but it's got that kind of thing i need more frets two, over two-handed here. stuff right? yeah two-handed stuff happening all over the here, place I, I can grab yeah one of these would be work, work so play play this lick this earlier in the day i don't know if i can <laughs> well you, you know if so, you want. Uh, it's like a faux kodo that, oh, I, yeah. that i was trying to get i was trying to make that sound um so this this kind of stuff coming straight out of mandolin is pretty nightmarish <laughs> i bet but what's odd is i'd re- i can play it and then go to mandolin and play the crazy stuff on mandolin 
it's the mandolin, the guitar that, that screws me up more. It's weird. It's kind of like one-sided. Like I can play yeah. crazy right. guitar and then go and dive straight into crazy mandolin. Play crazy mandolin and I need like just a second to like yeah. reset my hands and my brain right. to before I can start diving into you know, crazy circus licks. <laughs> How does so. like try the Tokyo lick? Oh, that's cool. So yeah, Sounds beautiful. It's a, it's a pretty neat little sound. It, um, it it's it's in that super Asian-y, pentatonic-y. Yeah, but it's, you've got that thing harmony. where you're sliding in. I'm sliding into E, right? And then sliding back to E. That's the right. neat sound. I was that's actually just sound. working on fret accuracy one day, and that came out. That came about, and I was like, "Whoa, that's neat." When I first released the song, I had a couple of people being like, "Hey, man, what effect is that? What kind of delay is that?" You know, I guess it sounds like some kind of reverse delay or something. I was like, "No, nah, actually, I'm. That's actually a hand thing." That's cool. So you got a. You have uh, some tour dates coming up for solo shows. I do. They're on my website, and we're booking them. Uh, I've got a promoter that's booking them as as I, as I speak. So I, I forgive me. I don't know what those are off the top of my head, but I yeah. can say if you go to Andy Wood Music, they will be there. Yes. So I don't know what else. I know it's Ohio next. I just played. Um, I just played Asheville, North Carolina, at the Gray Eagle, and that's a fantastic town for music. It is a great town. It is fantastic. I'm actually playing my hometown, which is super fun. I've never played a solo show of my own stuff in Knoxville, and I'm playing the lovely Bijou Theater on February 10th, and I'm super excited about that. That's going to be amazing. So, uh, and then and then the touring starts for some Andy Wood dates, and then around the end of April we start rehearsals for Flats, and then all the rest of the year will be Flats dates. So. Uh, my, yeah, my, my my life and my touring is easily found at uh, andywoodmusic.com and my uh, social media things, yeah, yeah. Twitters and, and things like that. So Twitters and Instagram. Whatever, Instagrams, Instagram, my faces and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you get some good guitar moments with Rascal, right? Like some, I get some. Yeah, I get yeah. some cool moments. Um, uh, during uh, me and my gang, uh, it's, it's in drop D. We'll play it as if it's in E. That should be down yeah. a whole step, but we'll for, right. for for sake of Floyd Rose, we'll, <laughs> we'll yeah, leave that where it is. We switched um, guitars here. To this one's got a locking trim on it. You're holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to Tokyo guitar and then frets and frets and trims everywhere. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the the guitar moments in that are kind of cool. It's very you know, it's about being kind of sassy and bendy. Yeah. You know those kind of yeah. licks, yeah. So like like a. That's one of the big, yeah. big risks. That's summer nights. And during that, me and Joe Don kind of get in some bluesy, yeah. sassy kind of playing that's that's pretty fun and, and uh, kind of kind of nice moment. But, man, I'll tell you, I enjoy playing uh, just the texturally sexy stuff in that yeah, gig, totally. like just soaking up the delay and the verb and being that guy. You know, traditionally, all of my gigs have been very much about like uh, – you know, that kind of thing. Just <laughs> licks everywhere. 
Did you ever yeah. do any formal music study or? Just a little bit of uh, jazz at UT, about uh, oh, cool. three semesters worth, and then started getting calls for sessions and kind of quit going to class. Right. <laughs> do you think you're track? Do you track with Rascal or are they? I, I, it's not been an opportunity. That's actually that's a lie. I have done one session for them. Um, I expect but there'll it, be more. I would I would love to do as many as possible. But uh, Joe Don's such. A, yet again, it goes back to those three dudes. They're so self-contained. Right. That's you know. Point. It's like Joe Don and Jay love to play. And it's not that they hire, they don't hire anybody in general. They they, they just want to do it themselves because they're like us. They're they're pickers, you know. They want to do it. So in general, when it comes time to do guitars, Joe Don, I cool. do it myself, you know. Hey, well, shit, man. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. And tell me real quickly, what's what does Sir do for this concert that you're doing here? Okay, so the Sir event is. Um, uh, starting about three or four years ago, I can't recall, but I think about three or four, uh, maybe more. They 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 quit doing the Nam booth thing. Their booth was getting so large, and the overhead was getting so nuts. They're like, you know what? Our factory's really not that far. Let's just throw a big party. And uh, you know, I mean, there was one year I got to jam with Marco Minimum. We did a bunch of Zeppelin tunes. You know, I was like, he lives like six blocks from yeah, here. Yeah, it's awesome. So We're in Lake Elsinore, California. You never know who's going to be at this thing. So, like, Pete Thorne, Doug Aldrich will come rolling in, you know, whoever. And, uh, anyways, so the concert uh, series that they do every year as part of their party is uh, over tonight at the M15 venue. And uh, it is opening with Ian Thorne, Ian Thornley from uh, Big Rec, his, his Fletcher Thornley gig that's his new, like, side right. album. Yeah. And, uh, this stuff is killer. And uh, Andre Nieri, who plays with Virgil Donati, is in the middle of the show. And he's doing like the super fusion thing. And then we do we come out and do our me doing the truth and lie stuff with some added surprises, you know, that, that we do. Nice. And uh, Sir obviously provides tons of amps and, and things that get loud. And they, you know, put the whole event together then it's so awesome to be an artist and just walk into a turnkey event and pick yeah. up a guitar and play and not have to be, I have to take care of nothing, you know? I don't worry about anything. Just walk in. <laughs> the great thing is if you break a string, there's 400 more guitars that are just as awesome. <laughs> so it's really cool. I love it, man. I've been playing this one for three or four years. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely my kind of ride. Yeah, it's like single coils. With a, I, want, I want to add to my Sura family, that's for sure. Well, hey, man, thank you so much, thank Andy. You. Are you going to be at NAMM or are you going to? Yeah, I'll be at NAMM. I'm doing, uh, uh, yet again, I'm that guy that's clueless, but I am doing a, something at TC Electronics Friday. I can't remember what I'm Sweet. doing at what time. but That will be in the past now, folks. That will be in the past, yeah, listeners, sorry, but forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting to know if you're uh, bouncing around. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we could take it out in like, one of these uh, rascal tunes that uh, maybe you get a small solo, and maybe this time we could stretch out on it or okay, something, cool. like some section. Yeah, let me... Uh, Grab a different we'll grab a guitar yeah. that we can go to the Sure. Album. We'll do that. That's one. Okay, go one, on. two, <laughs> three, four.
quick thank you to Guitar Player Magazine, as usual, because Guitar Player has believed in my podcast. Check out Guitar Player Magazine and guitarplayer.com. And uh, got to kiss up to my boss here a little bit, Mike Melinda, my editor-in-chief. You know, he just wrote the most amazing cover story, put this whole thing together on the guitarists of David Bowie, basically detailing just about every track or a lot of the big tracks and a lot of the big albums and how they approached the guitars and exactly what the signal chains were and exactly what David Bowie was looking for and, and how he produced the guitar players that he was working with. Great stuff. Kick-ass cover story. Thanks, of course, to Zoom for the H6 handy recorder. Handy indeed, like when I'm lowering that rope from the helicopter and dropping into some crazy guitar layer and want to do a multi-track recording of it, that Zoom is the shizzle. Thanks for listening to episode 22. There's 21 other ones. Please check them out. And don't be afraid to click on, on a name that you might not know because I'm telling you, they're all very inspiring players. You know, for example, Mike Scott has almost as many hits as Joe Satriani, but maybe people don't know exactly how incredible Mike Scott is and his story. Click on that shit. Get your vitamin F injection. That's right, vitamin funk. Everybody needs that. We really uh, have some fun playing Prince tunes and stuff. That guy has a great story, too. Mike... Or Osnoy, check out what he does with effects. All you got to do is listen to the first 10 minutes of that one, I guarantee your mind will be blown by what he does with an ordinary pedal board. Every podcast from the past is still available from the show. So go check them out. Again, my name is Jude, Jude Gold. Thank you so much for checking out No Guitar Is Safe. And you know what Satch's music teacher in the first episode of the show told you to do, right? Keep it alive till you're 95.